our wee church. It's great to be back here in Eltham um, and to be here sharing the word with you this morning. It's like, I feel like refreshed just being here because it's like I've just come home. Um, yeah, I know Michelle always says that. Um, I love to worship back in Eltham, she says. Like, I just, I'll always remember you saying that. That's my general voice for most people. Um, <laughs> uh, my name's uh, Adam. Uh, for those that don't know me, I feel like you should know me because I'm back home in, with my family. Um, and I see so many faces that I've done life with for so many years. Um, stop it, you're going to make me cry. Um, <laughs> um, and it's just really good to be uh, here. Uh, and it's really good to be here not alone um, because for many years uh, growing up here, um, I, was, I was the single one. Um, <laughs> and so I had to leave because I thought England's just not right for me and then we can find a bride somewhere else. Um, so it's, been, it's great to be back here with my wife. Um, yeah, she's lucky. Uh, um, <laughs> I, want, I once said on Facebook, um, you know, look how beautiful she is. Prayer really does work. And then Mike Jones came on with a comment that said, clearly not, because it didn't work for her. Um, so uh, thanks, Mike. Some of you will know Mike from being here as well. Um, so, uh, I mean, for me, I guess I, just, I wanted to share quickly that, you know, for me, I'm a product of, of the youth work here at, at Eltham. Um, I, I, I first came to Eltham when I was seven years old. My, my auntie and uncle brought me. Um, and from seven till 16, I caused the church havoc. Um, John was one of my youth leaders. He, he said he nearly left the church and gave up the faith. Um, it's when he had, it's a long time ago. Um, my, my other youth leader, Gary, on, the, on the, the Sunday after my salvation, he brought me up onto this stage and he said, you know what, like, I gave up praying for Adam. Um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Great. Um, and yeah, Michelle's nodding her head. She was also, her and Philip were my youth leaders as well and many other people. Uh, so it's just really good to be back here uh, to, to see so many people. Um, and, and yeah, and actually I, I kind of shared the testimony earlier on that there's things that the devil planned uh, for evil but God brought about for good. And I'll tell you, one of the things that helped me come to faith, I mean, John like spoke the gospel you know, week in, week out to me and it was good. But I'll tell you, one of the things that really showed to me and revealed to me God's love, it was Philip on a train getting beaten in the face by someone on drugs. We went up to see the fireworks in London, uh, I think it was, or the lights or something, and we we came back, and I was like the naughty boy, as you can tell, and so the youth group were down here, and I was sitting with the the cool kids up this end, and then then I suddenly turned around and saw Philip uh, like a cross. Uh, taking uh, blow after blow uh, from someone that was trying to get to the youth group. Uh, And I turned and I ran down this train. I'm like, I'm going to kill this guy. You know, what's he doing? It's my cousin. Uh, And the guy jumped off the train. Uh, And I didn't know it in that moment, but in that moment I saw Christ taking the punishment uh, for, for something that he didn't do. 
Uh, and so, yeah, it's just, it's amazing to be back here and, and to, to be with you. And that's why I feel that there's things that happen in people's lives this year that the enemy planned for evil, uh, but God is going to bring it about for good. Uh, so I hope you find hope and trust in, in him. Um, amen. I'm very dry mouth. It's very cold and hot. I can't get used to it. We went from nearly 30 degrees to 3 degrees. It was a little bit of a shock to the system. Um, So I thought I'd start uh, today's message with just a ministry update. The Apostle Paul would return to his sending church in Antioch and report back all that God had been doing and all the doors that God had been opening up for the gospel through him. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) I asked my brother this morning to put some slides together. Um, yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and so for me, it's great to be back here to my ascending church. I still remember when we were up in the flat, and it was myself, a friend of mine called Matt, and John, and we were talking about the call that God was putting on my life uh, to share the gospel. And I remember Matt saying to John, you know, sometimes we'll have him here, but then there's other times we're just going to have to release him, uh, and he's going to have to go somewhere else. Uh, and... and that was back in 2006, and since then, you know, I've been a few places, um, mainly South Africa, uh, but it's been great to go around the world uh, and share the gospel of Christ. Um, but no matter where the gospel does take me, uh, this is where I feel like I'm home, because uh, this is my home church. This is where people invested into me, many people, too many to mention names. Um, and it's also where I was prayerfully uh, prayed out to go and take the gospel to all the nations where you, the elders, laid your hands on me. Um, so for the last two years, I moved uh, away from Cape Town to Johannesburg. For those who don't know, uh, when I was in Cape Town, I was spent about five years working in prisons, uh, working with juvenile offenders in, in some of the toughest situations that Cape Town had to offer, working in some of the most... Uh, dangerous communities uh, within Cape Town, uh, places like Nyanga, uh, which was called the murder capital of Cape Town. Uh, but it was great to be used by God just to go into these places and share the gospel. Uh, when, we, when we read the gospels, we see time and time again uh, that Jesus says, you know, take the gospel to those in prison, uh, take those uh, to those that are captive and bound. Uh, so it was great to be obedient to that call. Uh, and then in the last two years while I was in Cape Town, it was great to be part of a small team that started something called the Message Trust South Africa. For some of you that might know about the message, it's very big here in Manchester and in some other areas. And, and basically the message just works in the, the hardest of communities. And so it was great to see that established. Uh, it's gone from a staff of three to over a staff of 20, and it's still going very strong, reaching out to thousands of young people across Cape Town's hardest communities. Uh, so just so good to be used by God uh, to do that. But then since leaving Cape Town, it's been a very uh, different uh, scenery and a very different uh, type of ministry, uh, because when I left uh, Cape Town, I, I moved into the township uh, in Johannesburg um, and, and partnered with a church in that community. Um, the, the area is called Tenbisa. Um, it's a fairly new c- community that was created in the 1950s when the apartheid government forced 
hopefully removed anybody of colour out of the designated white areas. Some of you might have quite a good knowledge on apartheid uh, and what happened there. Um, but basically, the population of Tembisa is about 463,000 plus. Uh, so that's about 40 times the population of Eltham. Um, of that 463,000 something population, uh, the population is about 98.9% black, uh, and then the rest of that percentage is made of what we call coloured, uh, as well as Indian and Asian, and then there's one white guy. Um, <laughs> uh, but leading up to getting married, um, I, I felt that it, was, uh, it would be right for me to move out of the township so that we could start our marriage life in a slightly not so intense environment, um, but when we move back to South Africa, when we move back, when we go back to South Africa, we are looking to move back into the township so that we can be closer to our community. One of the key things that I learned while growing up in this church is that, you know, being a Christian is not about just turning up on a Sunday, uh, but, being, uh, but being a Christian is about doing life uh, together. Um, it's and as I read one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Acts, I see this together community. And, and so that's what I miss about not living uh, in the community of where I do church. Um, it does throw up some very interesting dynamics for me uh, and Bulewa to be there. Um, being pretty much the only white person in this community um, in a, in a, in a, with a history of a very strong uh, racial history uh, and where there's still very much racial hatred uh, going on. But more often than not, it actually leads to open doors. Uh, and I believe uh, God has been using me over these years in these communities to bring about healing uh, and reconciliation uh, by breaking down mindsets of what is black and what is white. Um, yeah, and obviously... Going back into the township does mean going back into the lion's den, in a sense, because the townships are tough places to live. Uh, it's not easy. You, we have to fight our flesh uh, when we make decisions like this, uh, to go back into uh, areas like this. Um, one of the just quick stats, just to make you kind of realize the difference uh, and the danger of living in a, a place like the township. Uh, in the UK, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I might be wrong, but I looked it up on Google. So, uh, uh, In the UK, apparently, there's about 60 murders per year. Um, in, in South Africa, there's about 60 murders every two days. Um, and that mainly happens in areas like the township. Um, even this year, while discipling uh, some guys late at night, we heard gunfire just outside the door, uh, and we went out to look, and, and we found a, a, a guy dead, had uh, been shot and killed, and it was actually a school friend of, of the guys in my, in my discipleship group. Um, it's something very real uh, that happens um, if, if your eyes are open to it. But unfortunately, many people do shut their eyes to what's going on in our country. But anyway, uh, but we, yeah, it's, it's very tough to make decisions like that, to go and live uh, in communities like that. But I just felt God saying, you know, we're, as Christians, we're not called to be comfortable. We're called to be obedient. Uh, and then you just trust God, uh, just like Daniel did in the lion's den. Amen. Um, also, just a quick update. Since partnering with the church there, which is called God First, 
Uh, I have been given the role of youth pastor. Um, Umfundisi uh, is, uh, is the name for pastor. Uh, and even though Wulero and I want to be called like, hey, friend, and things like this, uh, we're often given these uh, titles. Uh, Daddy A is one of my names. Um, and, and just these kind of, you want to be like friend, but you're daddy and all these things. Um, but it's great. Um, so Wulero and I lead the youth group there. Uh, we came in with two objectives when we lead in the youth. The first and main one is we wanted to uh, just lead the leaders. We wanted to raise up uh, leadership within the church and see uh, the guys that are from Tembisa leading the youth ministry because there was nothing really before we got there. Uh, and the second one is to lead the youth program. We, the first year we kind of just... Uh, we, were, we were doing it, but we were just kind of looking from the outside, trying to not make too many changes. Um, we had a youth attendance of two, uh, and that went up to about 16 to 20 people at the moment. Um, yeah, praise Jesus, amen. Um, and, and even this year, we've seen many of those uh, make decisions to follow Jesus as well. Um, amen. Yeah, you can clap. That's good. <laughs> We just finished the, the end of year of a party. We had a sit-down meal. We went all out. I didn't tell the elders how much I was going to spend. I just sent them the invoice, uh, the receipt. Um, and, um, and we had a party and a dance. And Wulewa uh, was like, yo, the church has never done anything like this. And I was like, yeah, they've probably not spent this much money before. <laughs> um, but like for me, I just want to bless these kids because some of them won't get that opportunity to have uh, an, op- uh, an in- an event like that, and, and, and then on my Facebook, you'll see that two of them said, we're the best youth leaders ever, so it was worth it. Um, also, since joining God First, I was challenged because um, I'd always worked with NGOs, and then all of a sudden, I was based with a church again, and I said to myself, uh, and I was challenged, you know, what, what does God want for your life? And I was like, you're the big questions that you don't really want to ask, but let me ask them. And I felt God was saying, actually, I'm leading you into church leadership. Uh, <laughs> scary um, and um, so I enrolled in a two year church planting course because I thought okay let me, let me I want to do theology but then let me just go step one first before I get there let's not jump too quickly um, and so I'll be finishing that course in the next few months uh, but what that course has really helped me to do is just really help shape uh, the, the, the people that God's called me to uh, and where I should be ministering to and and it's given me an excitement for pl- church planting, um, which is great because in 2018, uh, we are looking to church plant uh, into another area within Tembisa. Um, God had been speaking to me as I've been driving through this community, uh, dropping off girls and guys, and, and then the pastor said in one of the last meetings before we left, I really feel God's calling us to plant, and I was like, please say this area called Clayville, please say Clayville, and he said, Clayville, I, I literally jumped in the air, and I was like, ah. um, you know, so we're excited about what God is going to do next year, we're excited about how God is going to use us, and what doors he is going to open, um, and then if you've got any questions about that and the ministry that God is, is using us to do, then I think we're having a lunch afterwards. Yeah, it's for, for us. That's nice. Um, so you can definitely ask us some questions. Amen. Does anyone know Angus Buchan? Mm, amen. <laughs> He's a farmer in South Africa, and he has these big men's conferences where he 
draws like hundreds of thousands of men and he says, Amen. And then all the men go, Amen. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. Um, anyway, um, so yesterday in South Africa, uh, we had a day called the Day of Reconciliation. Uh, this holiday came into effect when apartheid was officially finished. And I say officially because even though it's been 20-something years since apartheid finished, everybody pretty much of color is still feeling the effects of apartheid uh, and, and, and the oppression that that brought to them. Um, but yeah, so this, this holiday did come into effect to bring a day of focus to the need that as black and white we need to be reconciled to one another. But I can't really say that that's happened as yet. Uh, And the sad reality is that many South Africans live just within their colour groups. Uh, Even when we've moved to Johannesburg, which looks so diverse, if you actually pause and you look, it's only black people with black people, white people with white people. Uh, And if there's ever a mix, it's normally because it's a business meeting. Uh, so it's very sad. Often when people realize that Buleo and I are married, um, there's like this, just a shock. Um, you know, like just, I can think of like a police officer when I was getting some things stamped for our visa. And then he's like, and I had like some of her photocopies. And then he says, he just, he's stamping, he's stamping. He goes, who's this? And I said, it's my wife. He says, it's your wife. And I'm like, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> um, but it's, it's still quite an uncommon thing. Um, but like this day, most bank holidays, uh, it's been forgotten for what it's about. You know, uh, it's actually just become another day off work. Uh, so in South Africa, the 16th, we normally celebrate it by having a barbecue, or we go to the beach, if you live near the beach, or you just drink a lot of alcohol. Um, not me, obviously. Um, December, uh, in the townships, is, is, has a season called silly season. December is just where you just go, woo, okay? Um, and the, the 16th reconciliation day is kind of like the launch pad into silly season, uh, where everybody forgets their faith uh, and just does what they want. Um, despite the desperate need for the heart behind this holiday to be outworked, despite reconciliation being the hope for South Africa to move forward, it's a forgotten day. Uh, and reconciliation is not something that we as South Africans are working towards. I sometimes call myself South African. I sometimes call myself black. It's, it's strange. Um, but just run with me. Um, church, uh, this morning I felt God was leading me to share with you three truths around the subject of reconciliation today. The first truth is this, that if you're a follower of King Jesus, then you have been reconciled back to God. Amen. Amen. Okay, and church, I love how God works. As we were listening through the worship, as the prayers, I was like, I don't even need to say anything. <laughs> like, the, I mean, some of the prayers was like, that's better than what I'm going to say. So, um, And then... The second truth today is that if you're not a follower of King Jesus, God has done absolutely everything he can to make it as easy as possible for you to be reconciled back to God today. Um, And then the third truth is this. As a follower of King Jesus, you have been given the full-time responsibility. And this responsibility is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others can be reconciled back to God Uh, And all these truths 
are, are in this one short verse in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, where it says, the Apostle Paul says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that you just come right now, open up our hearts to hear you. Uh, I'm a tool in your hands, Lord. I, I, I just completely surrender myself to you, that you would use me to unpack this truth, unpack this scripture, uh, that we may outwork it, Lord, because we want to lift up your name. We want to see your name lifted higher, because when we lift up your name, you will draw all men to yourself. So be with us today. Uh, we just abandon ourselves before you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, So the first truth today that I want to share with us is that we have been reconciled back to God. (laughs) Um, The other day, I I had the the honour of sharing the gospel uh, with our membership class. Uh, And the gospel is this beautiful story, isn't it, of God's steadfast love for us, his creation. It's an amazing truth, the gospel of God's resilient and tenacious commitment to us, his people. Uh, From creation, where there was this perfect unity of of God and his creation that was broken because of sin. Uh, But then through the scripture, we see this this resilient, loving God uh, say, I, God, want you to be reconciled back with me. Um, And for those who might not know, God is so perfect and pure that he cannot be united with anything that is unpure. Uh, Despite his desire to be united with his creation, uh, despite his desire to be reconciled back with us, it cannot happen unless both parties are pure, unless both, both parties are spotless and clean from any wrong. And so you should be thinking, that rules me out. Uh, then. And you're right to think that. Only God is perfectly pure and faultless. So there's no way, what the scripture tells us, there's no way that we can do anything to reconcile ourselves back to God. No good works, no righteous deeds, no amount of money or time or, or being nice or anything that we can do can reconcile us back to God ourselves. The, the, old, the books of the Old Testament They are full of people trying to do it themselves, trying to do it in their own strength by following laws or just trying to reconcile themselves back to God. And and we see this kind of back and forth where God will reveal himself in all his splendor to his people. Uh, And then we'll see them like, ah, God, you're amazing. We're going to follow you. But then we see moments later they turn away uh, because of the sin that comes in to their lives. Um, and, And... And the separation is there again. But God wants a continued reconciliation with us. Uh, He wants a continued uh, togetherness with his people. Uh, But because of sin, it can't happen. Uh, Remember, God cannot partner with anything that's not pure. I know some of us know this, but it's good to be reminded, isn't it? Um, Also, as we read through the Old Testament books, we see um, that this, this is, wasn't God's desire. God's desire was never for separation. God's desire was never for like a back and forth relationship. Uh, but actually, it also shows us the depth of relationship that God desired with us, his people. It shows us the closeness of connection uh, that God wants with his people. 
Uh, he isn't content with this short time of being together. He wants and desires continued connection with us, his people. He wants perfect relationship with you and me. Is this good news? Okay, um, just take a moment even just to soak that up. You know, if we believe that this is true, this word of God, the, the God of creation uh, that birthed uh, the, this creation, this earth, these stars, this sun, uh, if this is true, he wants a, a personal, like, all-in relationship with you where there's nothing to separate you. That's really good news. Uh, and I hope that that fills you with, with just a burst of uh, feeling loved, I remember one time I came to preach and, um, and I was sitting here and, and God just reminded me of how much he loved me. And I was like, oh, and I was weeping and I was weeping. And Daniel was leading the meeting and he said, and Adam is going to come and speak. And I'm still like, oh. <laughs> and then I think I got up and it was the day that Hannah was leaving and I was like, and, you, and Hannah's leaving. And I was like, but it was just because I was reminded of God's love uh, for me. And so I hope this is just reminding you of God's love for you. Ephesians helps us to see that we were a people born dead into our sin. We, we were born separated from God. We, we were born in a position of not being able to change this thing ourselves. Uh, because like many efforts before us, even in our best efforts, we will fail and we will allow sin back into our lives. So making separation again. I know that this maybe sounds a little bit hopeless. Maybe you're like, oh, this is depressing. Uh, it's nearly Christmas. Um, it should be a little bit more light, this message. Um, I've told you that God wants reconciliation, but then I've told you you can't make it happen. Um, so where's the good news? Uh, but this is where we do see that God does love us. Uh, seeing that there is no way that we can do it ourselves, um, God says... Well, this is how I imagine it. God kind of, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, just kind of saying, we can't take it any longer. You know, we need to make a way of reconciliation. We need to make a way where, where this long-distance relationship, where there's, where there's small amounts of connection are gone, and there, where there's a way where we can just be continually with our creation. But at the same time, we need to make sure that justice is done, that sin is punished, uh, that the wrongs that people do and that they will do is, has been justified. So what do we do? What's the plan? Well... The plan we're going to be reminded about in a week's time in Christmas. We're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. What are we celebrating? We are celebrating the reconciling God. We are celebrating the birth of the God that has steadfast, tenacious love for you and me, his people. The God that says, I can't take it anymore. I need to make a way that I can be connected, that we can be reconciled together, where the reconciliation is going to remain and it's not going to be interrupted. Uh, We're going to celebrate a God that for so loved the world, gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. We're celebrating that God loves us so much that he would send his son, God the Son, Jesus, to be born, uh, not to sit on a throne, but to come and serve, to come and die, to be that perfect sacrifice for all of the wrong, all of our sin, all of our impurity, all of it, so that we can be reconciled back to God. And then when we come back to God, Jesus 
looks at us as righteous. Why? Because he sees Jesus' righteousness in us. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Amen. (laughs) When we're in a hopeless situation, we're always looking for a way out. When we're in a hopeless situation, you're, you're looking for a but. You know, if someone says, you know, there's no way, there's no hope that this can happen, but if this happens, it can be outworked. You know, we're looking for a but uh, to come into our hopeless situations. And, and, and God, I need to be careful here. Um, God is, is brilliant at coming in with these but moments, okay? Okay, um, uh, I tried. Uh, Ephesians 2 uh, from verse 4, it says this, because we were in a hopeless situation. We were dead in our sin. Dead people have no hope. If you ever see a dead person move, run, okay? Unless they're being resurrected and you've prayed, then amen. Um, but dead people are, are without hope, okay? Uh, but it says in Ephesians 2, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and have been raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that anyone may boast. Amen. How awesome is God? You can give him a round of applause if you want. (laughs) I'm bringing in a bit of my church culture here. Um, (laughs) And so to finish on this first truth, if you've come to a place of understanding that Jesus is God uh, in the flesh uh, uh, and and you've come to believe um, Jesus to be God, uh, then you have been reconciled back to God. If you've come to a place of understanding that who he is, if you've said, you know, like, I believe in who he is, and you have faith, then you have been reconciled back to God. And it's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with what you've done. It's got nothing to do with your hard work. It's got nothing to do with how much you looked in the Bible or how much you did anything. It's just got everything to do with the God that comes in with a but uh, and, and comes in with his love for you. And then the, I love how the Bible says things like, in all wisdom, he lavishly pours his love out on you. Uh, and in Jesus, we can be reconciled back to God. Friends, this is the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 The second truth that I want to share with us today is this. Friends, I don't know if you're here this morning and and you've never really realized this truth before. That the, the truth that I've just shared with you. Uh, I don't know if maybe you've never really understood it before. Um, maybe you have understood it, but you've been a little bit stubborn and you've kind of, you've been like kind of saying, I, I'm not accepting this right now. Maybe I'm going to accept it another day in the future. I pray and I beg that this morning you will come to, to a place of giving yourself to this truth that has been revealed to you. If you have come to a place of even this morning understanding that God loves you, 
God loves you, that Jesus was God, and that he died on a cross for your sin. If that's starting to make sense this morning, and actually you're like coming to a place of, I, I get it, I understand it, I beg you to not push away that feeling of accepting it. But I pray and I beg you to receive that. And please, I ask that today you be reconciled back to your God who loves you dearly. There is a beautiful picture in the Bible of what this looks like where a son, uh, Jesus I think is telling this story and it tells about the son that leaves his father. And he doesn't just leave the father in a way um, that maybe he just says bye. He leaves him and he hurts the father. And, and he actually goes on to live a very selfish lifestyle where he's not thinking about the father at all. And it's this, this selfishness that actually leads him to go back to the father because he finds himself in this desperate situation where he's lost all hope and he's lost all money and he's now homeless and without hope. And it's with this selfish motive that he goes back to the father because he knows the father will care for me and look after me. Um, and as the son returns to the father, the story shows us that this broken, homeless, selfish son returns and the father's position is out looking for him. Even though he knows how selfish the son is, even though he knows how filthy the son is, even though he knows that the son hurt him, he, the father, is standing, looking, waiting, wanting his son to return. He's out looking. And when the son comes close, how does the father respond? Get in here. Get in here. You're home. Love you. Love you. You're home. It's a picture of, of where we were once, if we're Christians this morning. We were far away, filthy in our sin. As God revealed himself and we came to him, he just wrapped his arms around us. And if you this morning have never made a kind of, never really understood this before, you've never really believed this before, but now you're, it's starting to make sense, I want you to know that that's the Father's position for you. He's out looking for you. And as you turn to him, his arms are just ready to fly around you and welcome you home to him. So friend, if you've never come to a place of that understanding before, today I hope you come to that place of belief and I hope that you turn to the Father today and allow him to love you, allow him to, what the Bible says, lavish his love over you. Such a good dad. Doesn't just kind of give you a, a high five <laughs> when you return. Says, he says he doesn't hold back. Lavishing is is like spoiling you, isn't it? You know, that's what he wants to do. He wants to spoil you with his love this morning. I want to take a moment just to maybe do that. Um, can we as a church just close our eyes for a moment? Um, and I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian right now, you're a believer in Christ, you're following him, just thank him. Thank him for his tenacious love for you. Thank, you. thank him for the cross Thank him um, for all that he has done. Just in your heart, just, just lift up your, your voice to him and, and just give him the praise 
that is due to his name. But also, I want to take this opportunity, while the Christians are doing that, if this morning um, you've, it's come to you, maybe this morning it's come to you that this, this God is really true. Uh, this Jesus has died for my sin. If that's you this morning, and you're saying this morning, to, I, want to, I want to believe in him. I, I do believe in him. I'm going to put my trust in him. If that's you, can, can you just maybe stand or wave to me just so I can see you? Um, thank you. Um, thank you. Jesus, you're good. Oh, Lord, you're so good. What love you have. How great the love of God. What a good God that doesn't hold our sin against us. Just a God that wants to be with us. Who are we to have a God that would want to love and be with us? I want to encourage all of us right now, and I want to encourage especially um, the lady who put her hand up. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 18 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Nothing that we've done. Nothing you've done. It's just God's love for you. God's love for you. Amen. And the last truth of the day. I'm not done. I know we do normally responses at the end, but I want it to be different. Um, The last truth for today is that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Uh, Many South Africans have forgotten that they have a responsibility and a part to play in bringing about reconciliation. And they've made it just another day. Uh, it's, they've, they've forgotten the mandate. They've forgotten uh, that, that they have a part to play and it's just become another day for them to do their own thing. Church, please not forget that we have been given an incredible responsibility, a beautiful privilege of the ministry of introducing people to the truth that we have come to believe and give our lives to. Amen. Let's make sure that we don't lose focus on what our new creation lives are all about. Remember the old church is gone. The new has come. Let's not forget that Jesus, in all wisdom, said, I'm leaving. I'm going to go back to the Father and I'm leaving this responsibility with you. Go make disciples of all nations. Go to the ends of the earth. Tell everyone about me. I'm giving you this ministry of reconciling people back to me. What a good God. You might think he's crazy, but I'm sure he knew what he was doing. In all wisdom, he did this. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21 says this. And and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What that means, church, is that he's given us the position He's given us the office. He's given us the role, the mandate of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us 
the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Be reconciled. Hold on. I was too busy looking at that nice top. Uh, (laughs) Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's how you you say things to non-believers, not judgmental, but you say, we want you to be reconciled back to God. I beg you to be reconciled back to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Church, friends, this is why we are here. This is why we are here. This is the meaning to our lives. Don't take a year out to go find your life's meaning. Don't go to a spiritual retreat to go find out what you need to be doing with your life. It's it's right here in the scriptures. You are uh, to go reconcile others back to himself. You are an ambassador for God. You are a disciple that is to go and make disciples of all the nations. That's what you're meant to do. There's a preacher called John MacArthur. You might not agree with everything he says, but um, oops. Um, he says this, everything in heaven will be perfect. Everything uh, that's not great now will be made perfect there. In heaven, there will be many things, but there won't be the need for the Great Commission. There won't be the need for reconciliation. Christians, let's be very careful that we don't fall into the trap of living this life for the wrong reasons. It's very easy in a Christian community to get into the habit of just doing church. Uh, And after a while, you get very comfortable with something that was uncomfortable at first. Uh, And and it becomes about doing the the, the, the church calendar. It becomes about going to this service or that prayer meeting or attending this gospel community. Uh, And every church normally has a culture that it, it feels very okay in you know um i'm sure i know that for eltham i'm sure it's about doing community you know we value communities still amen uh it's it's a good thing um i'm not saying it's bad um but we (laughs) we value here in eltham doing life together uh if you've been here for a few months surely someone knows your name. That would be very odd if no one didn't know your name and you hadn't been invited around to someone's house for a cup of tea. Um, we, we like to do it. We like to do life and, and community together. Um, and that's great. But community will be in heaven. Uh, close relationships will be in heaven. Uh, meals with each other, in, amen, in heaven. Um, times of worship, They'll be in heaven. Praise heaven. Uh, taking, uh, talking with God and crying out to him. Heaven. But the one thing we won't have any need for in heaven, the one thing that we will never do in heaven is tell anyone about Jesus that doesn't already know him. There will be no need for the gift of evangelism. There will be no need for the great commission anymore. There will be no need to take the, the gospel to the nations There'll be no need to to go reconcile anyone back to God because everyone that's going to be with you is going to be perfectly reconciled to God and everyone else is going to be eternally separated from God. You won't be able to do it then, guys. I won't be able to do it then.
Reconciliation is uncomfortable, (laughs) isn't it? My prayer, church, is that we become more uncomfortable with being disobedient to God and more uncomfortable than, sorry, than more uncomfortable than neglecting the ministry of reconciliation and making disciples. Let's not, we need to be, I know it's uncomfortable. I'm losing my notes now, sorry. It's uncomfortable to tell someone your faith. In London, it's a tough place, bruh. <laughs> in, in South Africa, like, everybody respects a pastor. Um, you're umfundisi, people have respect for you. I can be in a, a den of sin, and then suddenly they realize I'm a pastor, and everybody sits up a bit straighter, and, you know, um, you know here, that's not going to happen. Um, But I'm just wanting to be honest, reconciliation is hard. Um, And I feel that often we give way too much time to our old creation lives that are dead. And we have this new creation life, but because of the worries of the world, we we forget it. And we we just get on with life. Um, Sharing the gospel is hard work, and people don't always listen and receive it. When I first came to Jesus, um, I'd go up to the high street with Debbie and Martin and others, uh, and we would stand outside the pubs. Do we still do that? Uh, and we'd stand there with tea and coffee, and we'd speak to people coming out of the pubs. Um, it was hard, because you'd pour your heart out, uh, and then as soon as the coffee was finished, they would go. Um, you know, I remember at times I've shared the gospel like I did just then, and I, and I boldly say, you know, is anyone going to receive God? And you're, you're thinking you've done such a good job that even the Christians are going to stand up and get re-saved. <laughs> and, and then you're like looking, and like nobody's like, everyone's looking down, and there's nobody wanting to respond. And, and it's painful, uh, not because it's about you, but because you want people to be reconciled to God. Um, and then, I mean, I think about last year, I was doing some street evangelism. We don't do it too much here, but in Africa, it's, it's South Africa, it's, it's big. And, and I remember standing on the street, and I'm preaching, I'm thinking, what oh, is fire, I can feel it. And then this guy comes up, and he's like, yeah, maybe you should sit down now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, actually the, that's actually what happened the first time I preached. Phil Watson was like, yeah. Thanks for sit down now. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Um, <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard to share the gospel when you're at work and the person sitting across from you um, is sharing their hopelessness and you're like, ah, oh, but if I share the gospel and it doesn't get received well, I've got to sit next to this person for, for the rest of whatever time I'm working in. Or maybe I'll just leave if, you know... But it's hard. It's hard to share the gospel. Peter and John also faced this early into their ministry. In Acts 4, we read that they were sharing the gospel, and because of that, they were put into prison overnight. I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we're like, and they went to prison. Okay, prison, bruh. They were put in prison. They, they were shackled. They had these big chains put around their feet. Uh, and, and the prisons, I'm sure, were not as nice as our prisons here. Um, so they were put in this horrible place just for sharing the gospel. And then the next day it says that they were brought before um, the people and, and they were told, look, don't share this gospel. 
And these same people pointing at them were the same people that crucified Jesus. Don't share the gospel. Don't share the gospel. Difficulty was coming their way. Opposition was coming their way. It wasn't comfortable for them to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It wasn't easy for them in that moment to take up the, the role, the responsibility, the position that Jesus had given them to make disciples, to go and reconcile people back to them. It was now becoming very uncomfortable. But friends, as Christians, God is calling us for obedience. He's not calling us to be comfortable. I like that song. It's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. I'm sure nobody told me that. I thought it was going to be very easy and very comfortable. I was lied to, jokes. Um, It's going to be wild. Sometimes being obedient works out nicely for us. You know, when I was in Cape Town, even though I was in the prisons, 10 minutes I could be on one of the nicest beaches in the world. It's like, yeah, it's hard, this missionary life. You know, (laughs) going surfing, you know, um, rough. The next thing you find yourself in the middle of a township, the only white guy amongst uh, many other people that kind of hate white people um, because we've oppressed them for many years. Um, It's not always easy. Sometimes God calls us and it can be comfortable, but other times it doesn't work out like that for us. I love this scripture in Acts 21. Reading from verse 11, someone's talking to Paul and they say this, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and he bound it around his feet and his hands and he said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and delivers him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people then urged him not to go to Jerusalem. What's Paul's answer? What are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, they ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. You see, if Paul was following his own vision for his life, if he was following his own plans for his life, following what worked best for his life, then he would have listened to those people. They tried very hard to say, Paul, don't go. Don't be obedient to God. Surely God's not going to send you there just to get tied up. Surely that's not his will for your life. Surely he's not sending you there just to be killed. But for Paul it would have been more uncomfortable to be disobedient to God and the call that God had put on his life than it would have been to have gone and got tied up. That would have been way more uncomfortable for Paul. We know this verse, I think, 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. You know, and that's what God's wanting from us today. He's not wanting your sacrifices. He's not wanting just your, your, your you know, whatever you've got to give. He's wanting obedience. Friends, we are here on this earth. We are here in this life, not for our own glory. Some of this has been said in the worship. It's not for our own well-being. 
It's not for our own vision, despite what many books, even in Christian bookshops, would tell you. It's, it's not for our own plans or our own comfort. We are here on earth to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. We are here as ambassadors in a foreign land to share the gospel and outwork the ministry of reconciliation. We are here not to make sacrifices, but to live in obedience to God. Amen. Where the wife and I live now, it's quite nice. It's quite safe. We've only had a few break-ins and a few people kidnapped. Um, <laughs> no jokes. Uh, there's, a shared, there's a shared pool. Yeah, I know. Uh, there's a shared gym. It's very nice. Um, but if, if we're going to take this ministry of reconciliation seriously, then we need to make choices that are, and decisions that, are, that put ministry first. This ministry of reconciliation, that's yours. It's not mine as a full-time minister of God. It's ours. It's yours. Don't rule yourself out of this ministry not being for you because maybe you've only been a Christian a few days or a few weeks or a few years. It's your ministry. When you become a Christian, you're given the ministry of reconciliation. Um, And we've realized that where we live now is too far away to do community with our church. So, So it's not helping us outwork this ministry of reconciliation. So we can't now live there. Even though it makes sense to live there, we need to move back. Um, And moving back is going to be dangerous, uh, and it's going to be a challenge, Um, especially our comfort is going to be challenged. Uh, But we will be stepping into obedience. And that's what's most important. Friends, can I ask you a question this morning? I'm coming to a close. Where have you compromised? Where have you compromised to live more comfortably now than to what God is saying? This is, this is what I want for you. Where, where do you know God is asking you, sorry, what do you know God is asking you to do in regards to reconciling others back to God, but you know you're not doing it? What reason have you given yourself that has justified yourself not to be doing it? It's a very good lie you've told yourself, uh, but what is it that's stopping you from taking this gospel further? Not, and not just further, but where, where, where you're stepping into obedience. Where, where are you not doing that? The gospel is amazing, and it just fell into our laps. <laughs> Pretty much, you didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I know people worked hard to tell me, but it was God that brought about that revelation. Um, and, 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 and it was through faith that I, that, I, that I was reconciled. Now, I've been given a role of an ambassador. An ambassador is the voice of their kingdom. An ambassador doesn't speak their own agenda. They don't speak their own thoughts on matters. They relay what their king says. And they relay their king's agenda. They are the voice of their king. They are the voice of their kingdom. Friends, this is exactly what we are to be. We are not here in Eltham to share our own agendas. We are not here to share our own thoughts but we are here to share our king's words. What does King Jesus want to say? 
What does King Jesus want us to relay to the people of Eltham? He wants us to share to people that they can be reconciled back to God, that God is the hope for all of their answers and all of their needs. What else is an ambassador? They are someone who is sent to live in a foreign place. They live as an alien uh, in a country uh, that is not theirs to then be called home. In a place they are in, in the place they are in, people are different from them. uh, And people will have different beliefs and customs to them. But they are to represent the kingdom. Friends, Eltham is not your home. South Africa, Johannesburg is not my home. Heaven is my home. The arms of the Father is my home. So, so while we're here, while I'm here, I'm a new creation, I must remember that I'm an alien. This is not my home. Uh, my life, my existence is not about this place. My main role while here is to represent my home kingdom, heaven, to share the words of my King, Jesus to be different to the people around me because I'm not from here. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as surgeoners, Dave Weverly just came out into my mind there. (laughs) Beloved, I urge you as surgeoners, as exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Eltonites. Eltonites? Uh, and so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Friends, I beg you today, I know you are, but just in case you're not, take up your ministry of reconciliation. I beg you to be the ambassadors that God has positioned you to be for King Jesus in this place of Eltham, to be the voice of God in Eltham, to be the hands of God in Eltham, to be the feet of God in Eltham, so that you declare his words, you declare his good news, you declare his message of hope for Eltham, his words of love for the people that don't know him. Church, just in preparation for this message as I I finish. You know, sometimes in the church, you're thinking we don't have enough hands for what we need to do. Um, Who's, I mean, flipping John's doing sound. You know, surely you should be somewhere else doing something else. Um, You know, who's going to be the next elder? Who's going to be the next barista? Uh, Who's going to be the next on welcome team? Where are they? They're probably in the banker's draft right now. They're probably sitting at home getting ready for Match of the Day or Emmerdale or Coronation Street. They're sitting there waiting to be reconciled back to God. They're sitting there hopeless, saying, you know, this Christmas sucks. There's nothing of hope about this Christmas. Even the best birthday Christmas gift is not going to satisfy. Oh, but they're just waiting for you just to say, I'll tell you what will satisfy. <laughs> His name is Jesus. Amen. You want to see what he's done in my life.
Let's pray, church. Thank you, Father, that we have so much to celebrate. Lord, it doesn't matter our position. You position us. You position us. You position us into life. We were once enemies of you. We were once uh, dead in our sin. We were once enemies of God in a position of, of being separated from you. But you, rich in love, rich in mercy, made a way that we can be reconciled back to you because of your great love for us. Because of you, God. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive us of our disobedience. Forgive us, Lord, where we've remained quiet. Forgive us of where we've been selfish because you've given us this free gift and you've given us this free gift to go and give to others but we've kept it to ourselves. Lord, I pray you come right now and burst into the the roots of our disobedience. Come and burst into the roots of of our shame. Come in to the roots of 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 our fear. Lord, your promise is that when we lift up the name of Jesus, you will draw all men to you. Lord, reconciliation is ultimately in your hands. But we put ourselves in your hands (laughs) and say, use us as instruments of purpose. Instruments of purpose that will bring about people into life, people into freedom people into the Father, your arms, Lord. You will give us the strength. You will give us the words. That's your promise. Lord, help us to have the right focus of our lives while we're here. You've, you've said the old has gone, the new has come. Help us to see this life for that that we should see it through your eyes. Lord, I pray right now you'd start putting on our hearts people that you want reconciled back to you. I, I feel just now as I'm praying that actually, I don't know if you've ever heard this, there's this picture of low-hanging fruit. You know, in an apple tree... It's very hard to get the apple at the top. Doesn't mean it shouldn't be picked, but it's hard. But there's those apples that are very easy just to pick because they're low. And I feel that God is saying that in your life, there's actually some people that are ready to be picked. They're ready to be reconciled. It's going to be a lot easier than you think. You've, you've justified why you're not sharing the gospel. You've, you've justified why you're not being bold uh, and standing for the truth. And I feel there's a lot of fear involved. But fear actually is sin, guys. And we need to humble ourselves before God so that those fruit can be picked.
Lord, put those names into people's hearts right now. Open up your, your heart right now to names to be put into your, to your mind right now. If names are coming into your, your head and your heart right now, I want to encourage you to start praying for these people daily. Uh, and I want you to be asking God for an open door to, to share the gospel. And I want you to have confidence that God is going to equip you to say what you need to say.